On today's episode, we're calling out your habits, specifically the ones that hold you back from your muscle growth goals. We brought our friend and colleague, Emily Smith, on to provide her perspectives from the athletes she works with. Whether you're a seasoned lifter or just starting your strength journey, you won't want to miss this episode. So sit back and grab a snack. You're listening to the Average Climber Podcast. Yes. Okay, Emily, (laughs) I hear you have a fun fact for us today. (laughs) I do. Well, at least I thought it was a fun fact. (laughs) So that's what matters. Do you know that similar to your fingerprint, your tongue also has a print that's unique to you? Yes. And not only is this, you know, an interesting development maybe for the future use of iPhones. But when I saw this, I was also like, who thinks to research this? Like, this is a really particular thing, but mostly really interested in where iPhones are going after this. I like to think (laughs) about clear, like the clear automation, the, um, the airport service. Yes. And I'm like, imagine if there was just like a a thing you lick (laughs) Or you like have to stick your tongue out at the camera. And I'm like, that would be so disgusting. I'm sure this is why they have not leveraged the uniqueness of tongues yet. Um, or like put your tongue on a sensor. Yeah. I'm like, that would be absolutely filthy. Or everyone, or they like make automated lollipops so that everyone just gets their own like magic. <laughs> okay. I like pop. that one. Yeah, that, that was fun. One, like, it like a on. new Tootsie Pop pops up and like you lick it and then it like transmits the information, but then you get to keep the lollipop. That's yeah, you call it um, Tootsie Tongue. That's or Tongue Tootsie. Yeah, and that's your compensation. <laughs> wow, fascinating. Or your stripper name. Okay, <laughs> all right. Welcome, oh, welcome to-, to the Average Climber Podcast. <laughs> if you made Hot. it here by mistake, um, um, well, get ready around. for yeah. You, you're going to learn a lot more than just um, intense stripper stripper names but yes it's gonna be fun okay hello today we are not talking about Willy Wonka (laughs) sci-fi things we are talking about other stuff but before we get to that would like to introduce we want to introduce ourselves so hello I am Lauren I am with my lovely co-host Caitlin I'm Caitlin I'm a certified nutrition specialist and we have a very special guest today Emily do you want to introduce yourself yes Yes. Hi. Um, My name is Emily. I am also a certified nutrition specialist. I work primarily with outdoor athletes and I'm super excited to be back here. I am glad to have you back. Yes. Emily is our first guest to have a sequel appearance. Yes. On our podcast. <laughs> yes. So congrats. There's your, there's your honor there, but yes, today I am outnumbered by nutritionists, which is great news for you listener, because today <laughs> we are covering three habits that are holding back your ability to build muscle. So it's going to be, it's going to be a good episode, big topics, big things you need to understand whether you're trying to build muscle actively or if just maintaining muscle mass is 
on the brain. Um, but before we get into that, I want to read a testimonial. Um, and this is actually from Caitlin and Emily's joint program, Body Comp Pro. When did you remind me when you ran that last year? When did that happen? So it's a self-paced program that we launched last year because we hosted a masterclass that was so successful and people were like, I want more. So we made a four week uh, self-paced course out of it. And that has thus spawned many other ideas. So we're excited to tell everyone about yeah. that later on <laughs> keep, keep capitalizing on this okay that is awesome <laughs> all right yeah I was like that sounded really like well yeah it's good people need to know this um and not have the disastrous like men whatever men's health magazine is saying is like don't maybe not follow the opposite do the opposite. yeah <laughs> like this is better by like a lot um or like you think so yeah if it feels tabloidy and it sounds tabloidy it's probably tabloidy <laughs> spoiler <bad> alert advice <laughs> spoilers so excited that y'all are out here putting together actually helpful programs that are rooted in evidence-based science and isn't that nice okay you know so without without further ado here is a testimonial from body comp pro from kelsey so kelsey said i'm taking body comp pro right now and it's so good and so helpful and also kind of mind-blowing how much info is in there but in a good way my coach has told me that nutrition is the fourth discipline of the triathlon and so i'm really thankful to have this resource Thanks, i kelsey. love it yeah, yep. <laughs> I've heard nice that too. Feedback. That nutrition is the fourth. Di- I can't imagine triathlon training A of all and B of all. Oh God, I can't imagine right? doing it if my nutrition was trash. You I feel like not. I would feel terrible. You just there's no way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel, feel terrible like- thinking about doing a triathlon. So yeah, <laughs> let alone like not. Uh, I mean, having to train each discipline and not having a good nutrition plan. I mean, yeah. that's just recipe for disaster. Um, bonus fun fact that I'm going to throw in before we get into what this episode is actually about. Um, listeners, I don't know if you know this, but the first time I was ever on any sort of climbing podcast that a lot of people listen to, I was on training beta years ago. Um, that was a while ago. It might, it was. And in my, uh, training beta interview, I just spilled to the world that I don't know how to ride a bike. So this is me. (laughs) This is personal growth. Everyone (laughs) this weekend when I was in Lander, I my my dear friend Sarah who kindly let me chill at her house uh she was like I have a beach cruiser Lauren it is very easy to ride do you want to ride to the community garden with me and I was <gasps> like Sarah I can't ride a bike and she was like I think you're gonna I think you got it I think you can do it and I was like I need a helmet she was like I will give you a helmet and I rode all the way to the community community garden and we picked some mint and I put some mint in the little cup holder and then we charming rode back and I was fine so this is me this is personal growth this is on my own (laughs) podcast that I have now telling the world that I actually do know how to ride a bike and that it was kind of fun and I liked it kind of fun yeah now you can win triathlon announcement here yeah I will not ever do that that I don't think (laughs) is on the cards maybe like 65 year old me would be like you know what's good is not no tour to stopping France moving. Yeah, no sure? tour to. T- t- I'm gonna tour to eat in France. I'll do that. There. <laughs> that seems like a better approach. Well, I'll join yeah, in I was on like, that. wait. Follow up question, Caitlin. We need to circle back to this. I do want to know if it's possible to be on a 
gluten training program in which you train my body to eat gluten so that I can have (laughs) croissants in France. I don't think that's how it works, but if you do figure that out, I would love that. Because let's circle back. (laughs) Yeah, well, okay, got it. That's not possible. Cool, cool. Okay, anyways, um, sweet. Let's get into the episode. Awesome. So we have three things that you all wanted to bring up to us. Um, us uh muggles muggles of muscle building so <laughs> wow let's start that. with your let's start with the first one whoever wants to go what is the first thing you believe is holding people back from building muscle well, i will say that emily and i in our respective private practices these are the three things that we deal with a lot with athletes mm-hmm. but also just this is something that a lot of people experience and we are there to assist. So like the biggest one to start for us, and this is not the, you know, it's not a necessarily a specific order. It's just, we've noticed time and time again, that timing is a really big issue and a bad habit. So something like not consuming foods around training times is a bad habit. Mm. And that can really, really hold back your muscle growth. And of course it can impact performance too, but yeah. If, yeah. We're looking at just improving our adaptations to training and muscle. It's really important to get your, your timing down right. Um, and, you know, figure that out, I would say, as like a an, another step that's critical. Mm. Totally. Emily, do you want to I... share? Yeah. Yeah. Emily, what are the like biggest places where people mess it up timing wise? Well, I think kind of starting from a bird's eye view If you are skipping meals, so maybe you don't eat breakfast, maybe you don't eat lunch, if you're skipping any meal throughout the day as an athlete or someone who is trying to build muscle, we can almost guarantee that you're not eating enough food. Um, And then also Mm. thinking about nutrient timing around training, we can get kind of into the nitty gritty of this, but generally if you're eating regular meals, you'll somewhat take care of nutrient timing um, around training, which is also really important too. Nice. Yeah. I have a, I have a follow-up question and maybe this will just start (laughs) getting us into the weeds that we're talking about here. But one thing I feel like you probably get this pushback too. And I definitely like remember thinking this or being conflicted about this. So like, I used to like to train in the morning and then there's all these things, right? Like these like weird fucked up diet culture things that are like, if you train <laughs> yeah. fasted, you'll like burn more fat or like burn more calories or things like that. So when you're mm-hmm. coaching people, do you ever kind of like run into this whole like, well, I don't want to eat before my workout because then I won't like burn off as much or something like that? Like what? Yeah. What would you say yeah. to Absolutely. I get <laughs> I get a lot of people who like to train in the morning. Um, that's not for me, but if it's for you, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't get you, but <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. That's my coffee time. But a lot of people do like to train in the morning. And you're right, Lauren. A lot of people think that if they train fasted, maybe they'll, you know, use fat for fuel, which could happen, but kind of wishful thinking that you'll only be using fat. Um, you're still going to use some stored carbohydrate and you might even Mm -hmm. use your muscle. So for someone who likes to train first thing in the morning before breakfast, I strongly encourage 
um, a high carbohydrate dinner to kind of get you ready for that training session. Oh. And just a small carbohydrate snack before the training session. So it doesn't need to be like this huge breakfast at five o'clock in the morning, something like a date or a piece of toast. People get really excited when I recommend a piece of toast because they're like, oh my gosh, I can have toast. Toast. (laughs) Um, I love love a toast. Oh, same. (laughs) Yeah, it can be, I call it like the breakfast warm up or, you know, if you're like the flavor of Hobbiton, um, you know that it's (laughs) first and second breakfast. Yeah. Yes. But I yeah, it's like a breakfast appetizer or something, but I I feel the same way. I recommend something very similar to you Emily in my practice because I feel like going into your training without fuel is just you're not going to feel as good. You could feel better. It's just it's a long overnight fast where you haven't had energy coming in, so it's just it's important to kind of go in with readily available fuel and yeah oh that's really interesting okay another question that I have for you because I feel like you know some athletes are looking to like build or maintain muscle I'm sure this is obviously what you covered in body comp pro so I'm about to ask a body (laughs) composition question um so like even if an athlete was, was like but I'm trying to like shift my body composition towards more muscle and like less fat, let's say, would you still generally tell them like having more carbohydrates at dinner the night before and having carbs before their session is like a good idea? Like, does that impact that recommendation in any way? I am not going to speak for Emily, but I will say that I think it's really important for athletes to not try and reduce a major macronutrient. It's called Mm -hmm. a macro for a reason. So it's a really big part of our diet and carbs have other important, uh, you know, mechanism, mechanisms of action and involvement in different processes in the body beyond energy supply. So Mm -hmm. I think for me, I tend to recommend the overall, like Emily said, like the bird's eye view of the whole diet and gotcha. kind of looking within the diet um, in terms of like balancing calories and macronutrients, maybe prioritizing protein if the goal is to yeah. build muscle and you're training rigorously. But mm-hmm. I'm really hesitant to decrease carbs significantly. I'm also hesitant to decrease fat. So I kind of play the balancing act. I know some others might go a little bit more extreme, but I think it's important to work on your body composition is your goal. I think it's important to find that balance without putting Mm -hmm. additional stress on the body. Yeah. Without just like cutting out carbs to the point where your training sessions just like suck shit. Yes. Totally. Big time. Yeah. 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 I agree with um, Decreasing carbohydrates definitely wouldn't be my first step for someone who's Mm -hmm. trying to shift their body composition that way. I mean, we also have to consider body composition as, you know, increasing muscle. And when you increase your Mm -hmm. muscle, you know, that a lot of times causes your body fat percent to decrease because that's how things go when you increase your muscle mass. So I do encourage, yeah, (laughs) it's math. It maths. (laughs) So I really encourage my clients, you know, I work with people who want to lose fat, but I really encourage Mm -hmm. them to try to 
shift their mindset a little and think about their goals because you're more likely than not just going into training to lose fat. You know, you're probably yeah. also, you want to have a good training session. You want to progress, totally. you know, in your sport, you want to build muscle. So I, I can almost guarantee that losing fat is hopefully not your only goal. Right. No, I definitely want to like, as a coach, I will totally chime in here too. Like, I just want to say that like my coaching philosophy I also, I'm like, I'm not a nutritionist. So like, I will not necessarily be like coach. I'm like, I do not coach people around weight loss. Like, I will just say that I'm like, there's so much involved between like the nutrition side of things and all of that, that that's just not, yeah. you know, I'm a coach that helps people get better at rock climbing. And there's about a bajillion things we can do to make your <laughs> climbing better that do not right. involve like changing anything about your body, even like the building of muscle, right? Like your body can stay the exact same way it is and you can learn to use it better to climb better. Um, developing your skills and even getting stronger doesn't always necessarily mean like building muscle or anything like that or whatever. So yeah, I think it's like really important to, I think, yeah, like y'all two are definitely coming at it from the perspective of like pro like you're an athlete, you need to have good training sessions. Like if you're so tired for your training sessions that you're like, climbing poorly you are hungry so you can't focus like you're having trouble finishing it you're like getting super tired you're like skill practice like everything about your session whether you're like strength training or climbing is going to be like worse for the goal of what like right you know right so I think like it's just you know if your goal is getting better at climbing having quality training sessions should be priority number one and it seems like having nutrition that's still you know maybe it's supporting certain goals but it's not it's still supporting you having a quality training session which is really important so you kind of need the like you need the two they're you know two sides of the same coin you can't Mm -hmm. just train and expect results and you can't just eat you know, quote, well, and expect results too. And like the same yeah. thing, you can't just expect nutrient timing before, during, and after your training to suddenly bulk you up or like help you build strength and training adaptations. It's mm-hmm. the whole complete picture. So yep, I guess just totally. to, yeah, like this with timing, it's just so important to find that balance within your mm-hmm. ho- overall diet, but also kind of experiment with your, you know, before, during, and after your training sessions, because if you're, if this piece of the puzzle is amiss, then you're probably going to be slowing down your muscle growth goals. And that's a big bummer because then you're always Mm -hmm. looking for the next thing to help you out when maybe it's timing. That's a huge part of that. Right. And I know we've spoken mostly about carbohydrate timing, but something else I think is really important is protein timing, which we may Mm -hmm. not think of. So kind of thinking back to Lauren's example of someone who likes to train first thing in the morning, especially in this scenario, if you're trying to put on muscle and you're having that really small carbohydrate snack before that training session, getting protein um, as soon as possible after is really important. And that whole timing with protein really depends on your last protein meal. Um, And so that's something I wanted to mention. If you're trying to build muscle, thinking about protein timing throughout the entire day even um, plays a big role. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like 
I mean, Emily, we talk about this a lot too in our practice. And I know, I think Lauren, you and I have talked about this too at some point on the podcast, but we, you know, the question that I get a lot is, you know, like, oh, the, you know, climbers don't really call it the anabolic window, (laughs) but I think in other sports, (laughs) that's, that's what we're taught. It's that window or that opportunity of time when you're more likely to support recovery and muscle protein synthesis. But this really has largely been debunked in the literature in recent years. And one of our favorite papers that, you know, I refer back to this all the time is that Schoenfeld and Aragon paper, I think from 2013. And then they had an updated one in 2018. So right. we'll link to those in the show notes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're they're good papers. They're really interesting too. And like very easy to understand lots of takeaways, but it's, it's less about like, you have to eat something 30 minutes to two hours after if you want to support it. No, it's, <laughs> it's not <laughs> quite how it goes. Like your next meal or food should ideally have, you know, protein to help support recovery. Mm-hmm. And parts of that would be muscle protein synthesis, but it would also be to include carbs so that you're replenishing stores that might be used up during your exercise, but that's going to help your recovery. And when you can get it is great, but you know, you don't have to stress too much about that two hour window, especially if your overall diet is supplying you with, with enough. enough. I mean, it's still important to get that next meal or that, you know, recovery snack, but Mm -hmm. it's less, I don't want to say it's not important, but it's less important if that basic need is met throughout your day. Yeah, Caitlin, one thing I was going to say that I think is like interesting cuz I feel like I you you might think um that I am a bro by the way that I like <laughs> always Actually no, this is bad. The we need to, women need to reclaim the fact that drinking a protein shake after working out is just smart. It's not broy. It's good. We are rebranding. I didn't say that. Backing up. <laughs> rewind. Um. Okay. No, but like you might, you might think that I'm the kind of person that like is very um into this anabolic window idea based on the fact that as I am walking out of the climbing gym, I am drinking a shelf stable protein shake. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But like. I also find that one, if I'm kind of hungry, it's just like nice to have like a quick snack afterwards. And then two, I think if I like make that like a, it, like it's kind of like a habit, habit. for me at this yeah. point, or it's definitely like part of my gym routine is like putting carby snacks in and like that I can eat during my session yeah. and then putting, I just have like a certain set of snacks after. I put in my bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, I think it helps me get my just overall daily protein intake up to have that be part of the routine to be like we train we have a protein filled snack or shake or something and then we like go home and cook and also it makes me less like impatient and um hangry (laughs) yeah less less bitchy less hangry (laughs) less cranky while I'm like making myself food um after training or something so I think that the like quick snack afterwards definitely serves a purpose even though it's not like quote necessary yeah I mean I I take the approach of liking to check a box so oh yeah I think it's helpful to have like if it's part of your routine it feels good to you and like let's say a lot of people I work with have like a 30 plus minute drive from the gym to home yeah Mm -hmm. so I'm like you know if it if it feels good to you to have that like 
post-workout snack, like a protein mm-hmm. shake. I think it's helpful for a lot of people. That's yeah. certainly not always the case. I do it because I also like to like support my protein needs for the day. And I know that it's going to take me a bit to make my next meal potentially. Not always the case, but yeah. I, I right. like that approach. Emily, what's what's your approach there? Yeah. Personally. So, I mean, <laughs> professionally. <laughs> personally and professionally, I also like to have, you know, a shake and a carb snack after my training sessions. Mm-hmm. I'm someone who really struggles to eat enough. Um, I mm-hmm. naturally have a low appetite. So me including something right after a training session just helps me meet those needs. But yep. the guidelines... I share with people and I think it helps, you know, them have a little bit more flexibility in their meal timing around training sessions since um, some people don't like to eat right after a training session or a lot of people also just don't like protein shakes at all. Or they're so too the, the guideline, yeah, yeah, the guideline I use is we generally want our pre-training and post-training um, meals containing protein to be four to six hours apart. I generally say four hours since I work with people who have higher energy needs. Um, And it's kind of, in my opinion, kind of a safer route. If we think about four hours, we're not really pushing the max. So we're kind Mm -hmm. of just putting training in between those four hours. And the other guideline is, if anyone is interested in getting into the specifics, is having 0.4 grams per kilogram protein in those meals as a general guideline. If you go over that, it's somewhere around there. That's great. But but anyways, having that flexibility, knowing you can have four to six hours between those meals kind of encourages you to also have a regular meal. So if having a protein shake, I actually did this last night and I was upset with myself. (laughs) I had a protein shake because I didn't think I'd be having dinner so soon, but then dinner was ready earlier and I ended up not eating a lot of my dinner because I was too (laughs) full. So I realistically could have waited to just have my dinner, but instead I was full on my protein shake and then I was hungry in the middle of the night. So something to keep in mind is like if you're going to have a protein shake and it's going to ruin your appetite, maybe skip the shake so you can have your regular meal. So again, just having that flexibility in there is really nice. I love that. Yeah. I don't, (laughs) I don't have the problem with appetite. I'm like, protein shake doesn't sustain me. I'll chug it and then have my meal <laughs> right away. Oh yeah. But I I still I really really love that because I think the flexibility is so important for people. I think there's a lot of like stress around like I didn't bring my protein shake or my post workout snack and now all my gains are ruined. It's like no they're no, gone. No no. <laughs> they're gone they're forever. Gone. There's a 2 hour magical timer that makes your muscle disappear like no. Right. It's more like 24 hours. Yeah. 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 And I mean, there's been some like crazy studies out there. And like this was in that Schoenfeld and Aragon paper. And they were saying like up to six hours if your pre-workout meal is sufficient. And I was like, damn, that's crazy. There's so much flexibility and like realistic pieces of that that I love because a lot of people really don't like to have you know, that pre, during, and post mm-hmm. exercise type of snacking and fueling. I mean, I definitely support it because I think people on average don't 
eat enough in their regular <laughs> diet. But like you said, Emily, if that encourages people, if that, you know, they know this four hour window is a good option for their meals and then they can kind of chunk their training in the middle. I think that would encourage people to have more satiating, more nourishing meals that do provide those needs. Like I, I think that's awesome. Totally. And we also know that there's so much that goes into muscle recovery and mm-hmm. muscle growth. You know, we need other nutrients, antioxidants play a role. So, and we get mm-hmm. those from real meals and not necessarily protein shakes. Not to say I don't use protein shakes, but meals also carry other health benefits. Yes. Totally. Well, Micronutrients exist, people. Exactly. So. Get your vitamins and minerals. Yeah. I think we should move on to our yeah. next totally big thing holding let's, us back. Let's get into, yeah. So what is the the second thing you find holds people back from building muscle? So the second thing that Caitlin and I both agreed on wholeheartedly is mindset. Um when we have a hard time accepting that we need to eat more food, maybe even a hard mm-hmm. time accepting that our bodies might change when we're gaining muscle, it makes the process a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. <laughs> How do you help people work through? Well, that there's there's a lot to unpack there. Um, But how do you help people work through the maybe mental block of eating more food or eating in a surplus? Because I definitely think that is the opposite of the rhetoric that we grow up hearing, especially um, for women, Mm -hmm. honestly, Uh, you know, men, maybe it's like a little bit more acceptable to like, and even like the goal booking, like, yeah, that's like more normalized, I think for mm-hmm. men yeah, I, um, or for the, in the more masculine <laughs> sides of society. But I think mm-hmm. for the more feminine sides of society, it is a little bit harder. So yeah, like how do you help people kind of go through that and come out the other side better for it? Well, I think that maybe to start the big temptation for a lot of people, I think when they go about a harder training regimen is they're like, okay, I'm going to work on whether this is intentional or not, I think this is still at the front of a lot of people's minds. It's like body composition. I'm going to lose fat. So naturally, because what I've learned in diet culture and just, you know, how, how people perceive weight loss to happen is to then cut calories while they're starting this intensive training Mm -hmm. season. But that's arguably one of the worst things you can do. (laughs) So the calorie surplus, I think, comes as a surprise uh, and not because, you know, people are unaware. I think it's just we've been conditioned to think the opposite. Like, it's almost like train, cut calories. It, it's, you know, maybe I mean, not. In- how many, like, fitness programs are paired right with weight with loss. some kind of weight loss diet that the totally. trainer that does not have any qualifications to be writing oh my a God. dietary Don't plan even get us started. um right <laughs> Don't get us started. Uh, yeah <laughs> i know That's i won't, I won't get you guys started but like yeah so it's like very like this very like natural it's pairing where it's like i'm gonna do like cut out all the carbs and also, like, I'm going to do a low-carb diet paired with a new... And low-fat like, diet. Low, yeah. oh low-carb, low-fat paired with a hit workout every day. Uh, It'll be great. So, 
<laughs> I don't know if Mike shared this with you, but he sent me this disgusting video of this girl being like, keto crack. And it's literally caramelized butter with bacon bits in it. And then they freeze it and eat it like bark. I was like, no. Oh, no. Nope. <sighs> nope. Like, I love butter. On the but one hand, it sounds no. fun. No. On the other I- hand, <laughs> it sounds extremely like salty. To a point, so we know what Lauren's doing. Non delight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, right. listen, butter and bacon are good, but that does sound like a little it's much. Just too much. It's like just that... have some toffee. I mean, just yeah, stop it's... doing keto and get some peppermint park, like an adult. Yeah, <laughs> like an adult. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think, but that just goes back to, I think it feels really tempting to cut calories, but your calorie surplus, I think, is something that especially if you're not used to this and it's a hard mindset or like a hard pill to swallow, I like to approach it a lot slower. Mm -hmm. So if you're in theory, let's say your training is ramping up slowly. Like it's not all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you're, you know, doing six days of training per week and you're trying to PR every single day. Like I, I would be willing to bet that's not what a good trainer would program. Um, it's more, yeah, yeah. We, (laughs) I'm like, I know Lauren's answer, but I think (laughs) that's why I like to approach it as, okay, well, let's get your, your bases covered, Mm -hmm. you know, with your overall calorie requirements in general to help you meet your needs with training. And then over time you might consider increasing by even like five to 10%. Mm-hmm. when you get going and it picks up but it's it's kind of about experimenting and figuring yeah. out what's gonna help you fuel and feel the best because you know if you're bumping up exercise that may impact your appetite meaning it would decline so it's kind yeah. of hard to say like listen trust your gut listen to your body because it may not yeah. tell you those cues that you need totally. to know but it's, it's like taking an approach that, you know, maybe you start with adding those timed snacks, for example, around your training. Yeah. Maybe you bump it up throughout your meal. But I do think that I, I like to take it like along the way so it doesn't feel like this really overwhelming thing that starts to, I don't know, bring about a lot of fears with people because they fear either bulking or rapidly putting on fat mass or, you know, Mm -hmm. any, any reason like that, that I feel like is totally valid. Totally. Emily, I'm going to, I have a, I'm going to direct a question to you. um, Okay. I feel like I know what (laughs) Caitlin might say, but I'm interested to hear what you would say. So like, let's say someone is like starting a, like, you know, they like start working with you. They're like, I want to build muscle. Let's go. And they have never eaten in a caloric surplus and like they can kind of preempt that they might struggle with it a little bit like if you were going to give them like if level one like baby step level one like what does like a level one I am semi okay with eating in a caloric surplus person like kind of look like what's like that baby step number one that you're trying to like get people to before like making it even harder or you know increasing the challenge a little bit Great question. Um, So usually when I get someone who wants to put on muscle and maybe they're even open to trying some kind of bulk, Mm -hmm. more often than not, they're not even eating at their maintenance calories yet. So that's (laughs) right. That's (laughs) why we start there. And a phrase that that I keep using again and again is that we have to maintain before we gain. So Mm -hmm. before we can start gaining muscle and, you know, quote, 
bulking. A lot of people really don't like that word. Maybe we'll find a different word someday. Yeah. But we have to like set the foundation first. (laughs) It is. So it's quite easy. But I mean, we really do have to figure out you know, what our maintenance is. So Mm -hmm. how much we need to eat to maybe maintain our weight, given the body does have ways of maintaining your weight, even if you're under eating. So always keep that in mind. But basically, you want to make sure you're at least at a point where you are eating the amount of calories that you are spending in your life Mm -hmm. and your training. And that's really step one, because once you go into a bulk, it only gets harder. You know, it's hard for a lot of people to be eating more food because you have to, a lot of times, eat past your fullness cues. So if, yeah, Yeah. past your comfort level, it can get really uncomfortable. So first starting off with making sure that they have that good foundation, because otherwise we're kind of like stepping over, you know, dollar bills to get to pennies, you could say. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wait, I want to ask a quick follow-up question. You mentioned something like, even if you're under eating, your body has a way of maintaining your weight. Can you say more about that? Because I think like that maybe sent off some alarm bells in people's heads. Because there's always this kind of rhetoric of like, if you're eating in a deficit, like this is how stuff will move. The, you know, the famous, infamous, uh, more like infamous MyFitnessPal. I was going to say, actually diet listen into, to MyFitnessPal. <laughs> you can actually diet yourself into not existing anymore per the way MyFitnessPal <laughs> does calculations. So yeah, you can actually disappear um, apparently is the way that math works. But yeah, can you like say more about that? What do you mean? What? Yeah, so... <laughs> I always say that the body is not a computer or a calculator and I wish that it were because then it would make a lot of sense. And when we're thinking about calorie deficits, sure, there, you know, are a lot of things that go into it. Maybe they don't work because someone isn't tracking right, but we do also have to remember that the the body's goal is ultimately to maintain homeostasis. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of people who are very clearly under eating, you know, no way around it. They're consuming 1,400 to 1,600 calories. They should be consuming over 2,000. And they are not losing weight. Their weight might be stagnant. Their body composition might be changing in a way they don't like. So we really have to kind of get away from the idea that your body is a calculator and also think about other metrics of am I at maintenance? You know, like, how's my energy Mm -hmm. level? How are my uh, training sessions going? Do I have nagging injuries? Am I sore for like three, four days after a training session? Those can all give you insight into your, whether or not you're at maintenance too. Mm. Follow another follow-up question. This is very interesting. So like, are you kind of saying that our bodies are, I mean, I would assume that to have survived this many years of evolution and all of the things that humanity has survived, I would imagine our bodies are like pretty adaptable. So if you give it kind of like a state of deficit for a while, is it just going to like learn to do everything it needs to do on less calories? Like, does it just become like more efficient in some ways or does it just like shut certain things down to like deal with the fact that there perhaps isn't quite enough for what's coming in? Also, this might be like, a really big question. It, it is a very big question <laughs> that the research is probably actively trying to deal with, I would right. imagine. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, 
<laughs> if you're not giving your body enough energy, it certainly does prioritize other processes over, mm-hmm. you know, certain things. So of course, if you're not eating enough, your body is going to prioritize having enough energy for breathing and circulation and maintaining your body temperature, but it's not going to prioritize something like, you know, in people who have menstrual cycle, keeping your period around or Mm. maintaining your muscle mass. Um, It's just not going to be a priority. Caitlin, any thoughts on that? Well, I definitely agree. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where like, yeah, your body adapts, but out of survival. (laughs) It doesn't mean that you can suddenly like, oh, I've been eating 1,400 calories a day. My body can function on that. It's more of a, you know, a factor of, okay, this is all I'm getting. How do I prioritize nutrition for the basics? So mm-hmm. I, it's just not it's not recommended because yeah you'll your energy that is coming in will be directed to really basic physiological functioning versus your goal of you know like build muscle reduce fat because yeah you might think that's what's happening and what you want to have happen but your body's not going okay I'll respond in that way and do exactly as you think and direct all energy mm-hmm. to your muscles and then the rest is you know sort of like a an afterthought that's just not what's happening right so but I I will say the opposite thing might be true because if you were to increase calories initially some individuals might see weight gain Mm -hmm. but at a certain point especially as you start building more muscle your Mm -hmm. body is going to be more equipped and adapted to that calorie amount it's okay. not like it ha- it's not like a magical wand, you know, and all of a sudden y- your, your body's used to this. Yeah. Right, yeah, but it's it's like something over time when you continue to feed it consistently, it's going to know what to do with that energy mm-hmm. coming in. So it's yeah. It's not quite as black and white as that, but you get the picture. Yeah, no, I think right. it's like but yeah, I think it's such an excellent takeaway that like everyone wants to be like, yep, this basal metabolic rate that I calculated with this <laughs> thingy on the internet, that's always what it is, no matter mm-hmm. what. And it seems like that is not the yeah. case for how our bodies work, for... which is good to know. <laughs> right. Well, for anyone who is kind of stuck in the mindset of eating a low amount of calories, yet they really want to be gaining muscle. A lot of people are really stuck there, as we've mentioned. A phrase I use all the time with my clients when I'm seeing this is I say, your actions aren't aligned with your goals. And it really makes them pause for a second. And I think I first heard this from Caitlin too, but it makes them pause for a second because it really shows them that what I'm doing simply isn't going to get me to my goals. And I can either change something or I can stay where I am. Yeah. Yep. And your mindset can definitely hold you. Yeah. (laughs) Your mindset, if there's, uh, if your mindset is a leaky boat, (laughs) self-sabotage can really, uh, really get going in there. Sink. Yeah. Really, uh, your your ship will sink. That was not a good time to talk about (laughs) leaking stuff with recent current event anyways this got dark let's go to break (laughs) all right let's go to break Uh, when we get back we will tell you 
the third and final thing that Caitlin and Emily find hold people back from building muscle. You know what movie scenes really spoke to me growing up? The makeover montages. Like Lizzie McGuire going on a shopping spree with her pop star icon twin. Or Caddy Heron's good girl gone bad transformation in Mean Girls. Or, better yet, Anne Hathaway's iconic bangs in The Devil Wears Prada. I actually tried out those bangs in 8th grade. Turns out they don't look so hot when you have a massive cowlick in the middle of your forehead. Anyways, the fact is that I love a good makeover. I like seeing how a few simple tweaks can lead to a stunning before and after. And though I'm no Hollywood fashion guru, I've started a little makeover game of my own. With training plans, of course. Every week, I take an audience member's training plan and offer the adjustments needed to take it from all right to excellent. Inside of the weekly training plan makeover, I take you step-by-step through the how and why behind my recommendations that you can watch in a short, actionable video. The catch. This is only available to those on my email list. So if you want to get the weekly training plan makeover delivered straight to your inbox, or maybe even get a training plan makeover of your own, then make sure to get signed up for the weekly training plan makeover at the link in our show notes. And we are back. Well, let's not let's not keep the people waiting. What's number three? <laughs> <laughs> number three is definitely a big one. And I actually think this ties into timing and mindset so well. Mm-hmm. It's about consistency. So consistency can take on a lot of different things in your in your muscle mass goals certainly Mm -hmm. with training definitely with eating but if you aren't consistent with how you approach both and matching them together that's where you might start to see a lot of setbacks with your muscle building goals yeah uh, Emily, I have a, yeah, I just keep I'm like, I got a follow-up question. question <laughs> Let me hear it. Um, what, so like when someone, cause inevitably on your way to achieving any goal, whether it's in business, in life, in training, in nutrition, like the good things that we really want can be some of the things that take the longest to achieve. So like yeah, I guess for both of you, how do you help clients who are kind of in the middle of the journey or like feeling like the journey is not moving as fast as they would like it to move? Like, how do you kind of help people continue to keep going even when, you know, you're not getting the results as quickly as you want them? That's a really good question. And I think this is where accountability is very helpful mm-hmm. because when you feel yes. stagnant, you, you really need someone in your corner cheering you on. I'll also say that setting timelines is really helpful for being consistent. So if you kind of feel like Ooh. something is just going on forever and you don't know when it's going to stop, it's really hard to be consistent with that. I mean, hopefully we can be consistent long term with things like eating Mm -hmm. three to four meals a day. But if you're doing something like a bulk to be actively gaining muscle, having a start and end point can be very helpful for just helping you be consistent with that. That's such a good point. I actually, um, yesterday was in the middle of writing an Instagram post about this. Um, 
Yeah, because I find, like, just to kind of add to that, I find that, like, in anything, um, and this kind of, like, honestly changed the way that I view, like, forming habits, I'm, like, instead of being, like, this is what I'm doing forever, being, like, I'm going to try this for, like, a month or three months. It's, like, if I'm going to try this and see how I like it. And then if we like it, we keep it. And if we don't, we whatever. But it's so like I find that it's so much easier to get started on something if you know that it has an end date and it doesn't feel like a forever Mm -hmm. commitment. Yeah. Caitlin, do you have anything to add to that? Or like what's like a timeline? Like what would be if a client told you a timeline for a goal of muscle growth, what would be the timeline that you were like, actually, that is too short? Like. (laughs) Well, I I think it depends. And this is actually something I got from you, Lauren. I think it depends how or what their training age is, like how experienced Mm. they are. So if they're, let's say, further along in training, maybe I would expect faster results. Um, Okay. Not faster quotes, but if someone's just just starting to train, aren't their results really rapid in the beginning and then they taper off like I guess I'm kind of it's like that um equilibrium point like if you're training yeah already been training you can go harder maybe with a new block but someone just getting into it have a rapid increase yeah does that work with I mean I would imagine that this semi like in terms of building strength like yes if you're Mm -hmm. newer to lifting you'll probably be able to like see faster gains whereas someone that's like been strength training for a while um Mm -hmm. you're closer to your genetic potential and so the gains eking out the gains (laughs) towards you know the the top end of where your genetic potential is can be a little bit more challenging and I would imagine that's how like muscle growth goes as well um but I actually as a coach that I'll just be fully transparent with you all as a coach I primarily focus on more of the like actually pushing up strength and power numbers with my athletes. Mm. And I don't as much focus on like putting muscle on people, (laughs) frankly, just because also it is. Yeah. Like I, that's just something I'm learning more about as I Mm. coach more um, and have more athletes like that are interested in in this, but yeah, I can't, I'm not sure. I know the phrase newbie gains get throws, (laughs) gets thrown around a lot in gyms. And I do feel like it would make sense to me that perhaps at the beginning of your attempting to build muscle journey it like happens a little faster um, like I guess versus an experienced lifter right and I I guess maybe for like the the clarity there it's not that someone who's already well trained can gain results faster but like in my experience it's if Mm. I let's say take a break for a while and then I get back into it I feel like i reach my baseline a lot faster absolutely and like then the hard work starts but I feel like for me depending on you know where someone's at for a timeline I'm like you know maybe three months is a good starting amount yeah like me (laughs) especially for someone who like say they're they are going to work with you for a 12 week block and they've never trained before and they have a lot of success they see good results and they're building strength and adaptations and like maybe they'll see rapid bulking but i yeah. think that's a lot harder to do than 
is often discussed. So like I, I kind of try to have people expect like minimum six months. Yeah. Probably a lot longer. Like you see, like, I mean, obviously this is different than climbers, but like heavy, heavy weight lifters who like really try to work on bulking. Mm -hmm. They've built that over years. Years. Like that's not like their focus. Yeah, exactly. So I think it just really depends on the person, what their goal actually Mm -hmm. is. Like, are they trying to bulk like that or is it more of an applied approach to building? Yeah. You know, adaptations and totally strength. That's actually such a good point. I was just in my, um, I'm also going to, I just this week recorded a breakdown of like lifting, like kind of what it looks like to lift for like aesthetics and as a bodybuilder Mm. and how that in a lot of ways differs from the way that you're lifting and strength training might be programmed if your goal is like athletic performance. So I'm going to link to that in the show notes. Um, That's part of my weekly training plan makeover series. Um, But yeah, they're very different. And I I was actually talking to... um, coach coach nate over at the power company in my weekly lesson with him where i learn a lot about movement and it makes my head hurt um (laughs) but we have been just nate is actually in the middle of like a hypertrophy training block where he is climbing once a week for like two hours and the rest of the his training time is allocated towards building muscle um and he said yeah so i've had been having a fun time like picking his brain as like a climber that's like flipping their goals but y'all like there is a big fucking difference between like training for climbing climbing consistently and like doing some strength training to support your you know climbing goals and your goals as an athlete and like yes maybe that'll help you put on some muscle but there's a very big difference between like strength training as part of a like holistic let's get you better at rock climbing regime versus what your training would look like if your goal is to build muscle Mm -hmm. there is a reason that to build muscle nate has dropped down to climbing is on maintenance yeah. mode. I am climbing once the week and the rest of the time is lifting. Like it is hard to build mm-hmm. muscle at all. It is extra hard if you are also like, if not all of your training efforts are going towards that, um, you know, because in climbing, we're trying to build up. Climbing is a complicated sport. Um, I talk about this a lot, but like in climbing, we have to develop like all three of our energy systems. Like it's not like being a marathon runner where it's kind of just like, yeah, develop <laughs> your aerobic only. energy system and learn to run straight. It's like, welcome to rock climbing. You need to develop all of your energy systems. They are all important. And also you need to be like, develop your skills as a climber. And also you need strong figures. Like it's complicated. So you're trying to give your, you're asking your body to like do all these things. Like you're asking your body to create all these adaptations and to create all these new skills and all this stuff. And then, you know, having like building muscle be like the fifth thing on the list for your body. Like that's just a lot of stuff. Like if you're diluting all your efforts that much, it's just going to be harder. Um, so something to keep in mind if your goal really is to like build a lot of muscle, like the more, the more dilute that is among your goals, like the harder it's going to be. Um, and I imagine the harder it is to eat enough to do extra (laughs) shit (laughs) as well. I imagine. So I will say where nutrition differs, I think is that as long as you're consistent with whatever that game plan is like, okay, if you go into it saying I want to bulk up or I want to build my strength as a climber like you know having Mm -hmm. having your goal very clear and having your training mapped out so it's 
not only you're consistently showing up, but you're also working for that goal over a period of time. I -hmm. think your nutrition, like whether, whatever your goal is, I think as long as you consistently have enough energy coming in and you consistently spread your meals throughout the day, you know, like we already talked about, like no meal skipping, um, eating enough and continuously getting your, your nutrient needs met. I don't think it has to be like, as, uh, (laughs) as you were saying with like different, like training regimens, I think with your, your nutrition, you can like kind of steer straight ahead. Like it doesn't have to fluctuate maybe as much. Um, It might need to change and be increased to meet like wherever your goals are for your training, especially if you're going to like increase and then taper off. But I think it can be kept like fairly simple once you know the foundational mm-hmm. basics like <laughs> yeah does that, yeah. Does that I make have, sense yes I have a question another question <laughs> uh maybe Emily I'll toss this one to you so like I know we talk a lot about how like training and nutrition together makes a good time but I would Best posit friends. that good friends um I would posit that like even if someone's new training, like nutrition, like maybe kind of sucks and is underserving them. Cause obviously I've coached athletes that maybe don't have like perfect nutrition. I got better at rock climbing when my nutrition was like kind of not good. So I feel like people can like get better um, without the nutrition piece being fully dialed. So I kind of am wondering if the reverse is true. Like let's say someone's like not super active, but they like, and like just to make this extreme and simple like let's say someone like has a pretty sedentary lifestyle and they like don't really engage in exercise at all if they shifted their diet towards like having more protein or if you were like okay we're gonna see what happens like see if we can help you build muscle without like with only changing your diet and not your exercise like can you build more muscle just by like making dietary shifts like is that possible so I believe yes. When you look Whoa. at when you look at research, and I'm thinking about a specific population right now, but there yeah. is a lot of new research on muscle loss in the elderly because we do have okay. such a large aging population, totally. and they do find that increasing protein intake in the elderly improves muscle mass, even if they don't have this like regimented training program. So that's so cool. Yeah, and it's very <laughs> hopeful. So, but that's a really good question. I would say yes, you know, even if someone is pretty sedentary, they are still somewhat active throughout the day unless they are, you know, bedridden or something like that. Yeah. Caitlin, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Maybe, I mean, it might, of course, depend on the person, but if you, especially like elderly individuals, or let's even say someone who's injured, and mm-hmm. like not meeting their needs, their body is going to start, you know, using that muscle and diverting it elsewhere. That's stuff. why like you start to see like the muscle <laughs> withering um, in both of those populations. But mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree. I think having a diet that is sufficient in your overall needs, but also mm-hmm 
with maybe more protein, I think you're more likely to maintain muscle. Yeah. And even from like, let's say extreme example, someone who is an elderly individual, (laughs) maybe they go on like a walk at lunch. Right. Like they are technically using their muscles. Mm -hmm. And if they are supplying their body with what it needs, they're going to keep up with that muscle. They're not going to bulk up. It's not the same sort of like hypertrophy. Right, right. Yeah. But you're still going to like your muscle doesn't just evaporate, you know. (laughs) So, yeah, it's going to it's going to still stay strong if you feed it well and you kind of you like you're still, you know, active. Yeah, it's there. (laughs) Thinking back to the first scenario, people do progress in their training without having their nutrition dialed in. But also, Mm -hmm. what would it be like if you did have your nutrition dialed in? Because I work with those people. (laughs) I work with people over, let's say, a span of three months, and they didn't really think about their nutrition before. They're already a great climber. And by the end of the three months, they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I could do that. You know, I went up several grades just by changing Mm -hmm. my nutrition and pairing it with my training program. (laughs) So like, sure, maybe you can do it without nutrition, but what could you do with nutrition? Imagine the possibilities. Imagine the possibilities. Oh yeah, no, that was definitely not me advocating for uh, people ignoring. (laughs) But But yeah, no, I do think it's like- Oh yeah, but I do think it's like really interesting. The other thing is too, like something I kind of just thought about is that like, yeah, as I got, like, even in climbing, like, so kind of back to the, like, new lifter thing, and obviously I'm using myself as an anecdote, which is shame on me. This is not me <laughs> telling you to draw conclusions from my personal experience. Um, we do not draw conclusions from anecdotes. If everyone learned that, Instagram would be way less fucking stupid, but they don't. <laughs> yes, it would. Um, <laughs> it would be so much less dumb, but here we are. Um, so, but, like, one thing I, like, will note is that, like, you know, it, throughout my climbing career, I definitely like weigh, I think like right now I probably weigh the most that I ever had as a climber. I also am climbing the strongest, but like I haven't engaged in a lot of like very quote hypertrophy focused training. Like I strength trained some and I've just been doing it for a while and without like intentionally being like this training block is for putting on muscle, like just by virtue of like improving my nutrition and like engaging with strength training and doing hard stuff like I have very gradually put on muscle which I think is interesting so hopefully my like you have to quit rock climbing and pick up weights 11 days a week (laughs) like that wasn't I'm not trying to say that you'll never put on muscle if you don't like quit climbing and only lift but like if your goal is to put on a lot of muscle or you're like you know if if you want to do it like sooner rather than later um you know, putting more of a focus on it. It's it's just like what you put your energy and time into is what you get the most results from. It's kind of like anything else. So, but I do think it's interesting. I, I actually can say a similar example to you, Lauren, because when I first started climbing, I was training like a maniac. Like I broke my ankle six months in and then I could only train. So you're like, I "I am doing bicep curls until they explode. I did like a bazillion pull-ups, like lots of hangs. I got really strong, but my nutrition was total shit. It was horrible. Like I just was not eating enough and it worked to a point. I'm not saying that it's it's like it only works also when I, you're like 22 probably stuff just like right. fucking works that shouldn't work yeah um, like it's so 22 <laughs> year old magic but 
the yeah. <laughs> my point there is like I had a long way I could go with my training. I had a mm-hmm. lot of like right. leverage there. But as I got deeper into my training, that nutrition piece wasn't working anymore. And then last year, I honestly, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Like, to be honest, last year as like the, the weird, it's like, oh my God, it took me this long. But last (laughs) year I was doing very minimal training. Like I was still keeping up with it. I was like, you know, maybe two or three days a week. Like it really wasn't that much, but I put on Mm -hmm so much muscle just by nature of eating enough, eating well and Mm -hmm. doing like those basic things. Like my muscles at your wedding, Lauren, I have pictures where I'm like, Jesus Christ, what happened? (laughs) Like it just, it was, it was really an interesting transformation to see. So yeah, I just anecdotally, same story. (laughs) Yeah. Anecdotally, uh, don't, don't, but it's okay if we have we're gonna link to research papers so you don't have to rely on anecdotes. Yeah, it's not about okay. us. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. Do we have any in terms of consistency, any any final thoughts that you would like to add to our consistency I have discussion? A final tip that yes. might feel like a, a given. But if you're trying to be consistent with your nutrition and especially if you're trying to be consistent with a bulk over, you know, a longer mm-hmm. period of time. You have to buy foods that you like and that you'll actually enjoy. <laughs> okay? Like I see people yeah. they buy all the healthy, clean foods and they don't freaking uh, like them. Like you have to buy foods that excite you and then you'll actually be consistent. So go to the grocery mm-hmm. store, maybe a little bit hungry and find some foods that make you excited to eat them. Oh my god, yep. yeah. 100,000% tip of the day. <laughs> uh <sighs> yes. Yeah, no, I used to play that game. And I'm like, actually, I realize that no matter how good it is for me and how many gold stars it has about whatever, if I hate it, I don't want to eat it. Um, yeah, says the it. the boring ass peanuts I have in my pantry from 2000 and, you know, 20. Like, I'm never. Yeah. Throw them out. Never. They're probably yeah, bad right now. It's not happening. <laughs> they're, they're bad. But yeah, it's it's a so important to get foods that you like you enjoy make you feel good and that that can be a variety of different things so all right well i'm gonna i know we have some announcements to make but before we get to announcements um i'm just gonna wrap up the three things we talked about so first thing we talked about we talked about timing we talked about how nutrient timing especially around your training sessions can be very helpful in your muscle building process. We also talked about how important it is to have the right mindset going into the process of growing muscle. And we also talked about how it is important to stay consistent and have a manageable, reasonable timeline for achieving your muscle building goals. So mm-hmm. that's what we we talked about. But I know um, I know we talked a little bit about Body Comp Pro at the top of this chat. And I know that y'all have taken that and made it even newer and doper. So would, <laughs> yes, please share. Please share the Body Comp Pro Glow Up. I am excited to hear what y'all have been cooking up for us. So, yeah. So, so <laughs> <laughs> we're both really excited. Yeah, we're, we're like excited. <laughs> they're like, we're actually going to talk to you at the same time over top of each other. We're so thrilled. <laughs> we have a script and we're going to read it together. 
I'm just kidding. That would be very creepy. I will harmonize in the background. Um, and then welcome Ooh. to instantaneous person. Ooh, muscles. And I'll just say that. That'll be like the sample. Okay, Emily, start us off. Take it away. So Body Comp Pro, that was a course that talked about both muscle gain um, and fat loss. So really a, a good picture of how to change your body composition. We wanted to dive more into muscle because there is actually a lot of cool science about it. There, We have a ton of tips to share that we have been using for years with our clients and ourselves. And we also wanted to provide some accountability because that's something that a lot of people miss in a course format. So we made Muscle Fuel Pro group coaching to really dive into using nutrition to complement your training and ultimately gain muscle instead of you know, running around in your hamster wheel and wondering where the heck you're going wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this is a four week group coaching program. I don't think you said that. Um, but that, (laughs) yeah, we're, we're like so excited. Uh, so actually right now we are on pre-sale with muscle fuel pro and you can save $100 off the price um, until this coming Monday, July 24th. And yeah, we don't get started until August 21st, but when you grab your seat now before Monday, you can get that, uh, of course, that pre-sale price. And we'll make sure we put that in the show notes with the code that you need. But this is honestly something that we've been working on for pretty much since we released Body Comp Pro (laughs) because we're so excited and we know that this is a a really big piece of the puzzle that I think Mm -hmm. gets sort of left behind, a missing puzzle piece, if you will. So we are totally thrilled to be there. You'll get both of us in this group program and you'll, of course, have the support of fellow uh, group members who are also trying to understand how to use Mm -hmm. the power of nutrition for their training. Um, also not to scare anybody, but I have read (laughs) and heard and been semi terrified by the fact that after age 35, it gets you, it gets harder to build muscle and your muscle mass starts going away. Is that true? That's, that's true. You're both making faces like it's true. Yeah. Um, Is 35 the correct age? I usually say 40, but 35, I'm like, I've heard 30 before and I'm like, shut up. Um, but well, the, okay. probably the growth hormone. Anyway, too too long of a discussion. We'll talk about basically you will lose yeah. muscle as you age. So start now to get your muscle going. Yeah, and join muscle fuel already. <laughs> start start because it's only going to get more challenging. Yeah, so mm-hmm. just like do it, do it. It's very important. <laughs> this is not like obviously climbing is cool, but like your muscle mass as as you age, I am sure is somewhat indicative of like how your health and your quality of life as you get older and like it absolutely is is. and bodies change (laughs) they're meant to change however building muscle is a really cool tool if you have it in your tool chest if you understand what you need to do in order to make that happen you're going to go a long time just having this resource you can refer back to and make important changes, especially if you continue training as you get older, but you'll really just understand because we're going to make it 
very, very clear. <laughs> yeah. And like, if you're like me, you're like, when I'm 45 and my nephews are teenagers, I want to be able to emasculate them. Um, just kidding. They're going to be, they're going to be really non-problematic and non-toxic and they're going to be totally fine with women like me and my sister being really strong, but Excellent. it will be funny Show to be my seven. Yeah. But like nephews, what? whenever you listen to this, if you ever do, when you're not three um i'm coming for you and and you better pick up some weights okay i i just want to finish this by saying that emily won a hanging contest at the fire department um she <laughs> she smoked them i mean i did come on <laughs> i told them i'd be back if anyone tried to beat me but i have i am so far winning the comp so go me what was I the legendary all those guys <laughs> How long did you hang? So I made it three minutes and nine seconds, which was like 27 seconds longer than the other person. I think I could go longer, but it was like 100 degrees. Literally 100 degrees. Emily, what the fuck? Were you allowed (laughs) to use your thumb? Were thumbs allowed? Um, Yeah, just hanging. Okay, But my lats were burning. But I was like, I have to beat these guys. (laughs) (laughs) I was so I determined. This. this is this is excellent. Sweet. Well, I love that. I love that firefighters got brought into this. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I love everything about this. I love that we got a smoke pun. This episode <laughs> has it all. Um, this is excellent. Okay, sweet. Well, I'll make one um one quick announcement. Quick one announcement, one Lauren announcement. <laughs> Bye. One Lauren. August custom plan spots are full. The last spot got taken. Done. But uh-huh, you waited spots. too long. You waited too long. Um, but I do have two spots opening up in September. And I don't know if I will actually be taking on new clients in October because I am going on a honeymoon finally. And your girl is going to be in Croatia. I'm so excited. Uh, but so like get on it if you want to start with me in the fall because I don't know if I will like add people in October. I'm still figuring that out. So grab one of these September spots, people. Um, and I'll have information about that in the show notes okay anything anything else we need to tell the people before we close this shebang out um didn't know croatia was romantic that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> wait really you didn't it's no really pictures. nice yeah, yeah Google images and you'll just go to lauren they got probably. national parks they have you know <laughs> just be like, they'll just be like behind honeymoon. behind like a tree like the opening scene of bridesmaids where they're like working out yeah, like actually lauren we're coming <laughs> oh yeah perfect. we'll see you there Great. I know. Mike Mike's, Mike loves a girl's trip. He'll be thrilled. Um, okay. Amazing. All That's right. It. Well, until next time, everyone, keep, keep it. it. Emily, you say Aver- average. 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 Damn it. Okay, well, let's try keep it average. We'll try one more time. <laughs> All right. We're, try- <laughs> we're trying it one more time. Now we're really signing off, listeners. Okay. Until next time, everyone, keep, keep it. it. Average. 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 (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. Well, goodbye. (laughs) Lauren here. We hope you feel a little more confident about what it takes to build a strong body. Now, I'll close us out with some exciting announcements and our production credits. If building strength is your top priority this fall, get stoked because the pre-sale for Muscle Fuel Pro is officially open. In this four-week group coaching program, you'll revolutionize the way you approach building strength by harnessing the power of nutrition. 
your two expert coaches, Caitlin Holmes and Emily Smith, will guide you through a comprehensive curriculum teaching you how to fuel your body for maximum strength gains. And when you register now, you'll save up to $100. But don't wait. The pre-sale ends on July 24th, 2023, and spots are already filling up. And speaking of prepping for fall, Good Spray has you covered with all of your climbing training needs. Whether you want a fully tailored, fully coached custom training plan, or you're excited to try out a self-guided program, check the link in our show notes for all things training so you can start going today. Custom plan spots for August are sold out, but you can still grab one of the two spots left for start dates in September. The Average Climber podcast is hosted by me, Lauren, and my co-host, Caitlin. You can find us on Instagram at The Average Climber Podcast for antics between episodes and updates on when new episodes are coming out. You can also find me on Instagram at Good Spray Coaching and Caitlin on her Instagram over at Dirtbag Nutritionist. Editing for this episode was done by me, Lauren Abernathy. The music for this episode was created and produced by Devin Dabney. The Average Climber podcast is a part of the Plug Tone Audio Collective. Head on over to PlugToneAudio.com to learn more about the other great shows on the network. 